0: So there is a global orphan crisis today in our world. Globally, more than 153 million orphaned children are considered orphaned. Uh, they, they don't have any parental guidance. That number could be larger if you include street kids and trafficked children with no uh, parental involvement in their lives easily making the estimated number of orphaned and abandoned children well into hundreds of millions. Why are there so many? Well, because of wars, because of disease that um, comes through, lack of medical care, um, lack of clean water. There's also um, being sold into slavery of different kinds, poverty that produces that. Uh, there are family breakdowns. There are natural disasters. So why are we focusing on orphans today? Orphans and and foster kids. Well, because God says it's important. So that's a good reason. And it's also National Adoption Aware- Awareness Month. So it's a good month to focus on that as well as. Uh, we thought it was Orphan Care Sunday. It's actually next Sunday. So we can. We're if you'll let us do it this Sunday, we'll we'll do it. Jesus' brother, James, cuts to the chase about caring for orphans. And in, in James chapter 1, verse 27, James says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So what, what is religion? So religion is devotion to God beliefs and, and behaviors that are devoted to God, uh, saying pure religion, uh, morally clean religion, an undefiled, not polluted, not impure. Religion is, um, this is what it must be. It must be involved uh, with caring for orphans. The religion that is the real thing involves caring for orphans. And, and he says to visit orphans. So that word visit is used in another place to talk about being an overseer. So it refers to giving oversight, refers to um, helping, refers to continuous responsibility of looking after, of caring for. Um, Throughout the Bible, it talks about God visiting people, God visiting his people. And whenever it talks about God visiting his people, it it refers to sometimes he's doing it in a saving way. He's doing it to rescue. He's he's redeeming. He's actively blessing. He's activating blessing in the lives of people. So visiting is not just stop by and, and say hi. Visiting is moving in to rescue, to help, to be uh, involved in in helping a person in their distress. So um, James is saying that true and pure devotion to God involves helping orphans in their trouble, helping them. Visiting and caring for orphans and widows is not the only way to to practice true religion, but it is a, a vital way because God says we're to care about immigrants Those people who are poor, uh, who are sick, who are disabled. But he specifically singles out orphans and widows in this verse because they have unique needs. It's not terribly difficult to see why, because um, part of the reason that they're orphans or widows is because their parents or their husband has died. If you're an orphan, you may not be that both of your parents have died, but they have abandoned you. They have have, uh, sold you. Some of them, again, we mentioned poverty. leads some people to sell their kids into what? Sometimes they're sold that as getting a good job in the big city, but it inevitably ends up being slavery. So that's why orphans get so special focus because they're um, they're the least able to defend or care for themselves. They're the most helpless and vulnerable. In addition, they can often be easy to overlook, to not be noticed. They can't pay you back for helping them. They can't make you famous by increasing reputation among the beautiful people. But the greatest reason true religion includes helping orphans is that it it reflects God's heart. It reflects God's heart. So we see this, and I'll just run through a few verses that that highlight this. In Deuteronomy 10, verses 17 to 18, It talks about God being a God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the the mighty, the awesome God who is not partial, takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. So that's the kind of God he is. He's he's a God who executes justice for the fatherless and for the widow. In uh, Psalm 146.9, the Lord watches over the sojourners, the immigrants. He upholds the widow and, and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. Or in Psalm 68.5, he's the father of the fatherless and protector of widows in his holy habitation. Or in Psalm ten fourteen, to you, God, the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. So again and again and again, we see that God's heart is he cares for orphans, he cares for fatherless people. And God commands uh, frequently in the scriptures that we're to, to do justice for orphans. And so in, in Isaiah chapter one verse seventeen. Learn to do good. How do you do that? Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. plead the widow's cause. Or, as he says in Psalm 82:3, give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. So you might be saying, well, with such a massive problem. If there's like hundreds of millions of orphans or abandoned children in the world, what can I do? I mean, how can what I do make, make any difference in that whatsoever? Well, you don't have to solve the world orphan crisis yourself. So, you, no sweat. You're not needing to solve the world orphan crisis on your own. But you, you need to have your eyes and your heart open to how can I participate in the life of just at least one orphan? How can I care for at least one? Um, in in Deuteronomy verse chapter 24, verse 19, how can you make a difference in the life of one orphan? Well, When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, and that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So, just for not going back after a piece of food that you left in the ground that you can leave for the orphan, you get rewarded by God. So, give your spare change to caring for orphans. It's just do something, and God will honor that. Uh, so, in the realm of orphan orphans, there's foster kids. In the United States, there's 500,000 foster kids, kids who are in the foster care system, and uh, there are 130,000 of them are available for adoption. What would it take to care for kids in the in the U.S. foster system? What would it take? So, just looking at Protestant churches, not ex- not neglecting catholic, but just looking at Protestant churches like we're a part of, there are 300,000 of those in the United States. So if every one of those churches took on at least one, helped one foster family foster kids, that could solve the problem. We could empty the foster care backlog and find placements for all the waiting children. But the fullest solution for helping orphans is to bring them into a family. Now there are ways to, to try to help them reunite with their family of origin. So that's, that's important to not forget that maybe there's, their family still is there and, and there's a way to help that family be able to take those kids back into their family life. So that is a possibility and that, that gets done sometimes. But where that can't happen, uh, the best way is to bring them into a family and that means adoption. Adopted children are not naturally the children of parents. So that's what an adopted child is. He's not, not by natural birth. And uh, parents select a child who is not naturally one of their children and make them one of their children. John Piper says the deepest and strongest foundation of adoption is located not in the act of humans adopting humans, but in God adopting humans. And in, in this act is not a part of his ordinary providence in the world. It is at the heart of the gospel. So in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, Paul writes, In love, God predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. He did this knowing all of us would be rebels against him, We were the people in the back of the filing cabinet with a red stamp saying, do not adopt. You look at the file on on humanity and it says, prone to rejection, prone to running away, prone to disobedience. There's no reason why God should have loved us, and yet God did love us. He chose to set his love upon us. He set his love upon us, and, and it was a redemptive love to reconcile us to Himself, to restore us to Himself, and, and restoring a people to Himself. We were meant to be part of God's family. Strong gospel ministry throughout history has involved caring for orphans. So may, some of you may have heard of George Mueller. He was a man of, who uh, lived throughout almost the whole 19th century, from 18 during the 1800s. He cared for over 10,000 orphans under his ministry. On top of that, he preached all over the world. He pastored a church for 66 years. He uh, got missionaries started like Hudson Taylor, and he started a a scripture knowledge institution that spread across Europe, eventually serving more than 123,000 students. So he was busy, and he's a great example of, of integrating the orphan care ministry into the mission and ministry of the church. And he explicitly modeled that the motivation for orphan care is not only human compassion. Obviously, that's an important part, but that's not all there is to orphan care. That's not the only reason you do it. What he said, he said there are three reasons for establishing the orphan homes that he set up. And he he set up five of them in his lifetime. He said there are three reasons for doing it. And the first reason, he said, is this, that God may be glorified. That God may be glorified... Should he be pleased to furnish me with the means in its being seen that not it's not a vain thing to trust in him, and thus the faith of his children may be strengthened, so he said by seeing how God provides for the orphans and he he never asked for any money directly, he talked about the ministry, but never asked for money, he just trusted God, he prayed and had an incredible answers to prayer, and God always provided for the orphans so he he did this for the glory of God, and then he said a, a second reason is." To provide for their spiritual welfare, their spiritual needs, and then he said the third reason is to provide for their physical and temporal needs. So that's he's a he's an amazing example to follow. Today uh, we support a, a ministry called Indian National Inland Mission um, in a country of India where there are 31 million orphans. And they, I mean, they're, they plant churches, they make disciples, they, they do evangelism all over the place, and they, they have an orphan network of, that cares for over 1,200 kids. So there are other ways that we can participate in helping orphans, and some, some of you are already doing things, you're already aware of some of the ministries we have. But just so that, I just want to make clear that the connection between uh, uh, orphan care that is mandated in Scriptures and, and being as a priority for Harvest as a church so with <clears throat> with orphan care, we're involved with All God's Children International. You're going to be hearing from them in just a few minutes, and they uh, they have the we've been involved in their work in Haiti and Ethiopia. There is at least one family in the church that you're going to hear about that is doing foster care presently. There may be some that I don't know about, but but from what I know of, there's at least one who's presently here. And then a few of us have adopted, so that's also how you can participate in caring for orphans. There are certainly other ways to do it. You can do respite care for foster parents, helping fund adoptions. There are ministries that help with economic development that, that do orphan prevention but because they're providing for the uh, helping people to earn livings where they don't feel compelled to sell their kids or abandon their kids or give them up. So there are all kinds of ways that you can participate in helping uh, with, with orphans. In April, you're not going to remember this, but in April, there's going to be an Empowered to Connect simulcast. It's going to be done all over the nation. We're going to do it here, and that is for helping foster parents as well as adoptive parents and other people who work with them and support them to, to learn how to be more effective with that. So we're hoping, hoping to grow in how we care for orphans. The heart of God is to care for orphans. That's God's heart. The heart of God is to adopt us into his family. Before Jesus went to the cross, he said to his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And he wasn't just talking about uh, appearing to them after his resurrection. He was talking in terms of sending the Holy Spirit, whom the Father would send in Jesus' name to indwell them. The Apostle Paul calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of adoption. God the Father didn't just outwardly add us to his family. He put the very spirit of his Son in us, giving us his spiritual genetic code and causing us to know and, and love God as our Father. That's where your love for God came from, was from God sending you his Holy Spirit. The adoption price was not cheap. It cost the life, the very body and blood of Jesus, to adopt him you and I, into his family. When Jesus returns, he will complete the the adoption process by giving us new sin-free bodies that live forever with him in his forever family. But until then, he's given us a family meal to celebrate together, a covenant meal. And in that meal, we're reminded of the purchase price of our adoption basis of our family identity, the body and blood of Christ, as we have been united with him by, by faith, receiving forgiveness and life. So I'm going to ask the, those who are going to uh, distribute the communion elements to come on up. And Paul, the apostle, says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break is not a participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. If we all partake of the one bread. We're one family of adopted sons and daughters. So as family, what I'm going to ask you to do, the elements are going to be distributed. You're going to get the bread and the cup. And before you take it, so take it when you're ready, but I want you to pray for someone else here in the congregation. I mean, pray for yourself as well, but pray for someone else here in the congregation that they would know the love of Christ, and in knowing him, become more like him. Just pray that they, they would know the love of Christ, and in knowing him, they would be more like him. And the way you can do that is you may be sitting next to someone that you, that you feel comfortable praying with, or you may just totally freak out at the idea of doing that. So you are free to just target somebody and pray for them without verbally praying. For them. But, but feel free to, to, to just pray somebody next to you. And so we're doing that as a family. We're praying for God's family likeness, the stamp of the Son of God to be more evident in his heart spread through our congregation. So I'll pray and then the elements will get distributed. Father, we thank you for sending us Jesus, your only natural son, to rescue us from our alienation to your family. By his shed blood on the cross, bearing our guilt and shame, and through his body, becoming, adding humanity to his being God, so that he could die for us, he could obey in our place, and so that when we're resurrected one day, we'll have bodies like him that don't sin anymore. But until that time, we we continue to need close fellowship with him and with one another. We, we need the ongoing cleansing of his blood. We need to continue to trust in him as our resurrected older brother so that you can continue to strengthen us in faith, growth in him, becoming like him. So, Father, I pray for the Spirit of Christ, your Holy Spirit, to be drawing us near to him during this time as we, as we celebrate and we remember, and as we confess our sins, and as we thank you for how you have worked to adopt us into your family.